What's up, everybody? This is Allie from State Champs, and I'm super excited to bring you the first episode of Coffee Shop Poops. You know, when I was planning the guest list for season one, I knew I wanted Lindsay on the pod. Lindsay Darkangelo, you may know her from Twitter, you may know her from her work in The Athletic, Fast Company, as well as her previous work in Just Women's Sports. Lindsay covers all things WNBA, women's college basketball, women's hoops in general. So she was the perfect guest to have on the pod. This podcast is super casual. The conversation is chill. Imagine you're listening to two folks talking hoops inside a coffee shop. All right, let's jump into it. As always, this podcast is brought to you by State Champs. State Champs is a brand inspired by the dedication and lifestyle of sports and the community it fosters. Be sure to follow at This Is State Champs across social media. And without further ado, episode one of Coffee Shop Hoops featuring Lindsay Darkangelo. Um, well, I'm excited to have you on because you're one of like the first people I followed like big names on Twitter because of your takes takes and like women's sports coverage on ho- and like hoops. And I feel like you've leaned more into like the women hoop side, right? Since- oh, yeah, totally. Would you say like that's the primary thing that you cover is like women's hoops? Yeah, that's what I write primarily about is uh, the WNBA women's college basketball. What uh, like I know we talked before and we know each other like non podcast related, but you played hoops growing up. Is that kind of where you think you were like, you know, I want to write about this because I grew up playing it or just you think it would have happened anyway? Yeah, I mean, I love the game. My primary sport was soccer. Uh, I started playing Mm. soccer when I was five and I played it from the time I was five until the time I graduated. I even got recruited to play soccer, but I had started playing basketball late, not until like ninth grade, actually. It's very Tom Brady of you. I know. I, I just never was introduced to it. I never, you know, back in the 90s, there weren't, there weren't a lot of, and it's not like it is now where there's AAU everywhere and, you know, mm-hmm. um, club teams and all that. Um, so I wasn't really introduced to it till I got to middle school and then I fell in love with it. I watched it. I was a big yeah. NBA fan growing up. I watched it. And once I started playing it, man, that was it. Like soccer became, was still my main sport, but soccer took a back seat and uh, I just started playing basketball all the time. But because I started so late, I didn't have all, I didn't get the fundamentals until later in life until, you know, by the time I was playing intramurals and co-ed and all this in college and after college, um, I really developed like a style and I just wish I could have done that way sooner. But I watched, I was once I watched women's college basketball. I soaked it up. I was a huge UConn fan. And um, then when the WNBA started, like it was, I mean, that was it. I just, I just got it was all in. What was like your OG like WNBA team that you're like, okay, this is who I'm picking early? Oh, Phoenix Mercury, man, from the get. Michelle Really? Tim, Michelle Timms, was it? Uh was their point guard from Australia? I think Timmons Timms. I gotta look it up. Um, but yeah, she was she was the player for me. And then of course being a huge Yukon fan, um, yeah. once Tarasi, Diane Tarasi went to the Mercury, you know, that was just super even more exciting. But, um, yeah. you know, I've had, have held my bias, my fandom in check since I started covering the league. So, yeah, I saw your tweet today. First of all, it made me feel old. Thank you uh, about <laughs> how old Caitlin Clark was when DT entered the league. And I was like, oh, my God, it's kind of mind blowing. Yeah, I was just like, oh, my God, she was so I mean, thankfully, I'm glad she was alive. Let's just at least say she was alive. then, Because there's a lot of players now. They're like, oh, yeah, she wasn't even born yet. And I was like, that's cool. That feels that just also makes you realize how young the league is. Yep. It's super young. Yeah. Yeah um what's kind of your take you know there's so much to cover and there's a lot I want to talk to you about with the W and college but like where we're at today because when we talked you and I we did stuff like summer of 22 and it was like watching the W really like hit this like peak and I feel like we're still hitting the peak would you say 
And now we have this that plus what the Final Four did in the spring. Where do you kind of see like the state of basketball right now for women's hoops? I mean, especially with the growth of the college game and, and just the viewership numbers on that side of thing, I think it's we're we're at it we're at like an all time high. Um, yeah. And if you look at the discourse that happened over the summer with the WNBA, it was a lot more intense, more than any other season that I've ever experienced. Like just with with the fans um, interacting with each other and with media, there was there was just a lot of intense discussion going on and uh, players being more active and vocal. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel like a lot of things that happened throughout the season made mainstream headlines and this and that. Um, so back going back to when we first talked, I think that was a 25th anniversary season, was it not? Yeah. 2022? Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of, we were talking about the history of the league and how kind of the opposite of today where back then they didn't really talk or let alone like talk about their public causes or their like personal yeah. lives. Nothing. Now look at, you got storylines in the middle of the season, even not the season of whether it's like something they're passionate about, their personal life, even sports related like stuff. Um, first person I think of is like Kelsey Plum. Like, I feel like there's always a story in a good way about like something she's doing on or off the court. Mm-hmm. But like, is I, I don't know. I think it's really exciting, but kind of what's your take on it? And do you think we're going to even go f- one step further? Like this isn't the peak yet. I don't think it's the peak. I think there's still room for growth. I think, you know, we're, we're experiencing that type of growth that like say that the NBA sort of hit when bird and magic came, came into the league and then it just hit another level. And, you know, I think we're, we got to the point where it's, you know, we've hit the ceiling and now you got to push up, push through and keep going. And it's just going to raise it to another level. Um, you know, the broadcasting deal that's coming up for the WNBA is going to be huge. We saw what happened with the women's national women's soccer league and, mm-hmm. you know, that deal they were able to secure um, was historic. And I, I think there's money there to be made. There's money on the table. Um, the, the investment, uh, what was the, who put it out? I'm blanking right now, but um, just the investment in women's sports is expected to be over like a- Oh, the Deloitte, the Deloitte, the, like- Thank you. Yeah. Um, like a billion dollars. It's like, man, I mean, if you're not getting in on women's sports right now, what are you even doing? Like, what are you even thinking? Um, it's just, there's just so much more room and growth to to be had. What do you think about, I mean, we saw it and I think we were both actively on Twitter and social media when kind of the whole college season, it feels like this college, this past college season was bigger than I think I've ever seen it. Mm -hmm. And then the March madness, the March madness of it all, plus then the final four. Do you think all that momentum is going to carry over into the W or do you think they're going to be kind of seen as two separate kind of things? I think right now they're still seen as two separate things and it's hard to quantify right because college is so ingrained college sports are so ingrained and it's passed down through families and you have built in Mm -hmm. fan bases from from the people who attend the school presently who had in the past who will be in the future um you know that's hard for the for the WNBA to like sort of match up against because that fandom is still growing and it's it's done in a different way but I think the more we see we see transcend transcend Players who can actually transcend from the college level to the pro and then keep those eyes on them, we're starting to see more of those type of players come out. And I think this draft and particularly this draft and next year's draft are going to be just full of those types of players, not just one or two. Like Aaliyah Boston was one, right? 
There's yeah. lots of South Carolina fans who followed her who became Indiana Fever fans. And you see that you saw that play out over Twitter and social yeah. media. So, you know, like Caitlin Clark, Paige Beckers, um, Elizabeth Kitley at Virginia Tech, you know, you have you have these players with established fan bases and Mackenzie Holmes at Indiana. Mm-hmm. You know, if they they get drafted, they make they make the league those fans, I think, are more apt to follow them now than they were in the past. Yeah, the one that I'm thinking of is when Grace Berger didn't initially start for Indiana for the Fever, mm-hmm. and the fan bases that followed her from college to the pros were like, we came to see her, which yep. I guess is you know be the the downside of it if the person doesn't play or the 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 organization doesn't fully support them that way. But I think it's really cool to see because I think you're right. This is the first time we've really had that wave where they're following him to the pros. Mm-hmm. And it's going to bring new folks into the W. And I think we're starting to see it where people are realizing, like, the W is not perfect. And they're like, wait, there's only 10 teams or there's only so many spots. There's only this many things going on, Uh, which I think is partly why we're just going to get pushed for more growth. Not to speak for, like, that league, but I feel like they're do or die for that. I mean, there's never the demand. The demand is there. We've never really seen that demand at this level before um, coming from fans and media and you know, players themselves where you're almost the WNBA's hand is almost being forced where they need to expand because the demand is growing. So um, that's how it's kind of a symbiotic relationship, right? So mm-hmm. we already know that they are expanding. Um, yeah. And going to add a team and hopefully more in the near future. And as you know, the talent keeps increasing coming into the league, it's just going to be, it's going to be good for everybody. And then you have yeah. older players who who have been in the league for a long time. We talked about Tarasi from the jump, and this is going to be her 20th season. I mean, I know she's she she's going to said she's going to play as long as she feels healthy and, yeah. and in physical shape. Yeah. God God bless her. But at the same time, you know, you you see the changing of the guard sort of happening. Um, yeah. And it it needs to happen. Yeah, I misspoke. I said 10, I meant 12 teams because <laughs> I meant 12 and now we have 13 technically if you count golden state um you know you're talking about changing of the guard and you're kind of seeing it really in college right now case in point the yukons of the world aren't as you know strong mm-hmm. um you just have new new teams i think nc state being one coming in and kind of changing it do you think that is having kind of some sort of parallel with the pro league or is just all in all like we're just having a changing regard because we have new style of play new coaches just new i don't want to say dynasties but i mean let's call South Carolina, they are a dynasty team. Do you think that's part of it? I mean, I'm, I'm sure it it has to do a lot with the talent of the players, but Mm -hmm. the distribution is what you got to hone in on because that's what's, what's bringing more parity into the league. You're not having those players go to the same three or four schools anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, They're going everywhere. Uh, They're, you know, you even have players who are, who were in a power five school or a power five conference transferring to a mid major. Um, and yeah. then, then that uplifts that program. So you're seeing that sort of happen all over. And you just look at the top, top 25, even, even the top 10, top five teams. And it's, I mean, South Carolina's up there, of course, but you know, they're a recent dynasty. And then you just have yeah. a, a mix like UCLA is back at two NC state, uh-huh. which you mentioned at three, Iowa's at four, Texas at five, Southern California, USC, like, I mean, they're back, they're at six, and, like, it just, you you can go down the whole list, and it's just a new mix of teams, 
And then you have teams flying under the radar that are playing really well. We have, we've had early upsets. Um, you know, we have a, a freshman class that is just, Oh yeah. This freshman class is unreal. Probably, it's probably the best I've seen in years. I mean, yeah. are you well- a voter? vote are you part of that for the no i vote for um wmba awards and Mm -hmm. uh the all-star team and the end of season awards but not not at the college level oh say the college freshman freshman of the year would be that'd be rough i don't i don't i don't want that i don't want to have to do that although i feel like juju is starting to pull away a little bit i mean we're nine games in i'm saying she's pulling away but she's (laughs) just been unconscionable yeah it's it's an exciting time i i love that it's kind of spread out do you think that is fueled by the nil stuff or more that there's just more girls playing than ever that are actually like hey we don't want to go to the same three schools that everyone's been going to for the last you know how many years like what do you think kind of fueled that i think it's a combination of so here's here's my take right um women's basketball players are getting better at younger ages because of aiu and the kind of training that they're getting that wasn't always there i mean it's I feel like it's just a step up from what we what was done 10 years ago, what was done 20 years ago. Um, it's just constantly evolved. And so, plus more, more, you know, basketball is a very popular sport right now. And so lots more young girls are getting into it. And so you have more, more of a talent pool to choose from, right? And then mm-hmm. as, they, as they develop, um, you know, there's a downside to AAU and playing all year round, and that's injuries, and that's a whole other topic of conversation we can get into because I don't necessarily think it's a good thing. But um, by the time they get to high school, um, they're already seasoned somewhat, right? And then you yeah. time you take that to the college level, and it's just – then you have all these schools who are more in play um, maybe because of NIL and what they're able to do even locally, and, you know, some of these some of these schools have collectives. Um, yeah. which can help guide student athletes, um, women's basketball players through NIL, but also help them get deals. And, and you know, if you, yeah. you want to go to a school that has a collective, that's going to be more of a sell than one that doesn't. Um, but also, you know, I think a lot of players are, and I've talked to a few recently about this, are taking, ha- having more on to- autonomy with what the fit is like and what they want. And, and, you know, yes, there's the education piece, but what also are they getting from the coach and the vibe there and um, Mm -hmm. how that factors in? I think there's more autonomy there and and there's more thought being put into that rather than just going, I'm going to go play for Gino Ariama at UConn, you know? Um, Yeah. I mean, we're, we're seeing both sides of that. It feels like now more than ever players are going where they're, they make sense versus like, I'm going to fit the system. It's like, no, I make sense. Like, or the system's going to be changed for me. Like different people are going not just to play for some name coach, but they're going for, I make sense in that system, which I like because it feels more like how sports should be. Like you don't go just to get a name. You want to get someone that's going to make sense for the style of playing that you have. Exactly. And Caitlin Clark's a perfect example of that, staying, uh, going to Iowa, staying in, in Iowa. And then, um, you know, you look back years ago and um, Elena Deladon went, was at UConn and left because the fit wasn't right and she wanted to be close to home. She's very close with her family, and she left and was going went to Del- Delaware. And everyone's like Delaware, like she got railed for that. She got railed for leaving UConn, and then for for taking you know a shot at a, a smaller school. And you know what, Delaware did really well that year. I mean, yeah. she 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 uplifted that whole program. And um, now you're just now it's that's become the norm. 
Yeah, I mean, the th- I was thinking of TCU when he said that. They're kind of yep. the – no one's really talking about them that much. I like but TCU. But I seem to think TCU, they had Prince and uh, one of the Kavanaugh twins go, and I was like, okay, like, that's – no one's talking about this. It was kind of quiet, and I was like, why TCU? And then they've been quietly good. Quietly yeah. good. Yeah, they – um. Yeah, so Dona Prince, um, one of the assistant coaches at TCU, used to be at Oregon, so that's that tie. And um, Cavender, I believe it's Haley, isn't playing, going to be able to play till next season. Oh, um, next season, okay. Because bad, yeah. yeah, because um, because she, I, I think, signed too late or some something about the timing of it. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, transfer portal, right? That's that's another mm-hmm. part of this conversation, and that's another reason why you 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 have more variety and more parity and and players taking taking chances elsewhere they could be at a school for four years and then like uh Haley Van Liff and then be like you know what I'm going to use that extra year of eligibility and I'm going to go play with you know this school or whatever and uh so you have that mixed mixed in with as well do you think the transfer portal will ever be something we see during the season like like the NBA does or like free agency style where we see it like up until x amount of weeks beginning of the season you can transfer and go to a different school do you ever think it'll get to that point no, I think just because of the way college rules are, I think it's always going to – I mean, nothing stays the same forever, but I think it's going to stay the way it is, like having to declare at a certain point um, and then ha- and then being able to, like, look at different schools through the spring and then in order to be able to play and take part that fall, you know, I do think it's a good – it's a good – good setup I mean you don't want just because of, you know some kids having a bad season and just be like in the middle of December be like you know what I'm gonna go play for uh uh LSU or, <laughs> or something you know yeah. oh man that would break the timeline that would just yeah oh that'd be rough um we talked about injuries and I know you've been talking about it a lot lately too but we've had so many injuries like across women's sports period like I feel like soccer and basketball could have a, like a duel on who has the most injuries right now well, what's your take on it? You kind of touched on the AAU year-round stuff. You think that's what it is? You think it's training, like just rehab stuff? Like, what do you think? Is there a fix, or is it just kind of the nature of the game now? I do think it's a lot has to do with AAU, and I'm I'm not trying to single AAU out because you know yeah. at, at the same time it's been good for for women's basketball, but I don't think it's good for athletes, particularly playing year-round at starting. You know, my my niece who's 11 plays in AAU, like at 11, and some start even younger than that at like eight, seven, mm-hmm. eight. So you think about all those years going up through high school. By the time you get to college, that's a lot of wear and tear on the body already. Not to even yeah. mention the fact that the way women's basketball is set up, you're going to be continuing to play year round as, even as you get into the pros. Um, yeah. And the college basketball season is a long season. Uh, I mean, AZ Fudd just breaks my heart oh. with her injuries one after the other. And, She's a player who has always excelled and has gone through the AAU circuit and all of that. And, you know, it's hard not to try. It's hard not to connect the dots. You know, when, yeah. when I was growing up, yes, there was a lack of resources and stuff, but I feel like there's a healthier balance where, you know, we didn't play. I didn't play soccer year round. I didn't play basketball year round. I played soccer in the fall, basketball in the winter, um, sometimes softball in the spring, or I would take off, you know, it was just a, uh, you have your body has time to recover and you yeah. use different muscles and you know it almost would be better if, if 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 these players were were given you know some side of training regimen outside of basketball where they could play for a certain amount of time and then maybe use exercise other muscles 
and I'm not saying take take part in a different sport where you could get hurt, you know, and then yeah. damage your your basketball aspirations anyway. But just something to just mix it up a little bit because it's been awful. It's it's been awful to see and to watch for the fans, but also for the players who are experiencing these injuries at such a young age, and um, you know, it's so hard to recover from the severe like tear. It, ACL tears and broken yeah. ankles and whatnot. I mean, it's it's just a lot. Do you think college will put some sort of rule in place where you can only do like so many, so many hours or so many like something that kind of limits how much basketball you can play that way just to prevent injury? No, I don't. No, <laughs> <laughs> because um, you know, at the end of the day, for the college and for the NCAA, what it comes down to is money. And yep. um, I don't think they isn't. I don't think they care as much about the athletes as they probably should. Where that would enter into the conversation, and that's just not on the women's side. I mean, we're talking football, we're talking uh, men's basketball, like all of it. I just don't think yeah. that would enter into the conversation. I mean, that, that's true. That, that would have to be something. I feel like the player and coach could could devise a plan, or um, but really, I think you know, it's something parents should be thinking about with their kids when they do a sport all year round one sport because you don't just see it in basketball like you said earlier I mean I've seen it happen to baseball kids in baseball basketball soccer at pretty much every sport if you're using the same muscles year round they're gonna they're gonna start to wear down yeah I'm curious what is gonna come of it because it's everyone trying to stay competitive which I get because you're all trying to go for the same spot on the team because nothing's guaranteed. So you're like, how do I, how do I have this advantage? I have to play year round mm-hmm. um, just so I can be able to keep up with my counterparts. Cause then there's times you're like, man, if I didn't practice, you just, you don't feel in shape. But I do think diversifying, I, uh, I watched and read the article Alexa did of Paige's recovery, how she kind of mixed up, not just basketball. I think she said Pilates, right? And, yeah. Which, and which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Which I was like, that's a great like a way to just kind of give your body like a rest day. It's still working out to stay strong, but you're not using, especially when it comes to basketball, that's so much on your knees. Yeah. Running up and down the court. Yeah. 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 I mean, you look, I mean, again, like going back to 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I I don't remember seeing this many debilitating injuries. Two top players who you know have come through the whole youth basketball AAU circuit. Like, I don't remember seeing that. Um, I don't even remember seeing it happen often in the WNBA, but now we're seeing it a lot more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm curious to see, because I've seen, and you're the first person that's mentioned like just year round playing, which I I like that because now it's got me thinking. The other like conversations I've seen about like resources and like the way bodies are, female bodies are, you know, compared to the male counterparts, but I feel like males are getting hurt just as much Mm -hmm. um or like the shoe conversation of like we're not wearing the right shoes or the right equipment or stretching but there is something to be said about playing year round the same thing your body's just going to break down over time yeah it's um it's something i feel like we'll we'll continue to be a topic of discussion um you know i've often thought about doing like a deep dive article about it as well um but there have already been studies out i mean people have reached out to me on twitter from my tweets about it just to say you know there have been studies done about this and you know it's it's you're you're pretty much on point so bummer yeah Yeah. 
I just there's been so many. I feel like we've had an injury, at least one or two injuries every week this college basketball season so far. Mm -hmm. Like big names too. Yeah, big name, big name players, big um, name. key players. Um, same thing was happening last year. So yeah. What's um What's your you know speaking of we're in the like non conference play, we're like about to exit out of it. Does do you feel like? Because this is kind of my observation. The teams that have scheduled really interesting, strong teams as their non-conference play are kind of faring a little bit differently than the ones that are, I don't want to say they took the easier out there, but they're kind of doing the older method of playing the the lower seeds or the non-ranked, I should say. Do you think that's going to change going forward that coaches are going to start having more competitive games for this November, December games, just because of like how kind of it's been the season of like, it's kind of anyone's guess where people like, there's just so many upsets. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, strength of schedule is important and it obviously factors in um, at the end, you know, towards getting towards the NCAA tournament with um, seeding and all and rankings. But um, I don't think a soft schedule is a guarantee so much anymore because, mm -hmm. like we said, like the parody and stuff. I mean, what I'm seeing and what I like is I you see a lot more mid-majors or smaller programs reaching out to big bigger top schools in, in, in the, either the power five conferences or whatever, and, and getting, getting those non-conference matchups. I love that. I think it's great for the game. I think it's great for those players to experience. Um, I feel like that's how you, you build up a program, you know, to hang with the best. You got to beat the best. You got to play with the best. And yeah. um, so that's, that's the side of it that I love. And I don't think, I know LSU had a soft schedule last year and, we were all like, oh, man, how's this going to play out? And um, I don't think it did him any favors, to be honest, but I don't think it necessarily hurt them other than yeah. our, you know, the view, the view it sort of, sort of gave us is like, is this team really for real? Um, and I think when we saw them play South Carolina the first time, it was kind of like, okay, yeah, like, obviously they still need to work some yeah. things out. They ended up figuring it out. They ended up getting hot at the same time, but I think, you know, the schools that really um, take time to, to schedule those matchups, and Iowa is one of them. They have one of the toughest schedules so far this season, um, is beneficial. And, and I think that's what prepares you for those um, upcoming games in, the, in April and March, March and April. Yeah. Who, do you, who are you excited about, like, in the mid-majors, like, smaller, smaller schools? Like, who are your, like, top two or three that you're like, all right, I got my eye on you? Uh, top two or three. Um, this is good. I like Gonzaga. <laughs> I think I mean, <laughs> we saw what Gonzaga did the other day um, against Stanford. Um, yeah, it's um, a brink with Stanford. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, Princeton's always high on my list. Um, they're just a they're a tough out in the past few seasons. Their defense, they're just a they're just a tough out. Um, but you know, I know Columbia doesn't have as good of a record, but they've been playing well as of late. Um, you know, those two Ivy League teams um, I like a lot. Um, hmm. Uh, is it, is it, is it Norfolk State, I want to say? The There's a lot of state schools that have, like, especially this week's rankings that have, like, squeaked in a lot of state schools that are yeah. kind of having a moment. I like, yeah. I like Norfolk State. Um, Davidson's kind of flying under the radar a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, UNLV, which really shouldn't be a mid-major. Um, they look good. I'd say those. I'd say those teams. I mean, 
South Dakota State was pretty good last year, and I haven't really been keeping up with how they've been doing this season. Um, but I don't know. Like last, what I loved about the tournament last year too is there was a bunch of um, mid majors that kind of like threw some havoc into the yeah. March. They oh, really I love it. caused the March Madness, you know, pretty much. I love when mid-majors do that because it, it very much gives, like, the team, like, an NFL team that's out of the playoffs, and they're just like, I, we have nothing to play for, really, technically, or, like, no one thinks, like, we're going to do anything, so we're just going to play and just see how we can kind of fuck it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I love that. There's there's so much of that happening, and I feel like there's at least a couple ups, upsets a week now in mm-hmm. college basketball that at what point are we just going to be like, I don't even know what's an upset anymore. Like, are there even – favorites at this point because it's kind of anyone's game like I go into anything I'm like I don't really know I mean there's some guaranteed ones you're like okay I know they're gonna probably blow them out but overall like I keep being surprised it just I don't know I don't know if upsets kind of lost its swagger it it has and it hasn't I think I think when you see a a top two teams in the top 25 and like one's one's a four and like one's a a 16 and the 16 beats the four I don't really look at that as like a huge like upset but like when you have like um, Green Bay, like <laughs> being a top team, I mean that's notable. Or or like Cleveland State or Norfolk State, like I said. Actually, Norfolk State, I just looked it up. They're six and one, so I, um, I like uh, I like what I've been seeing out of them. Yeah, where do you see the college game going from here, Lindsay? What do you think? Like, just with mm-hmm. everything, we're like I said, we've got more. I feel like we have more eyes than ever since the Final Four. We got to give credit to that Iowa LSU matchup. It really yeah. got brand new eyeballs, new fans. Where do you see the game going from here? And Caitlin Clark, I mean, Caitlin Clark as a brand has done a ton. Her and Angel Reese, like yeah. can, that's a conversation. But them two have really brought more eyeballs into the college part game. Of, part of the the growth has been NIL and uh, the ability for these players to like establish them like you said as a brand um and as a name um to like trend on social media to be a topic of conversation um I mean that whole we could go back to the whole Angel Reese Caitlin Clark taunting thing that became you know it was on like Good Morning America and stuff like the discussion was and then it made its way to other sports yeah like yeah so I mean those types of conversations is you know is maybe as um fiery as they are they are good for women's college basketball and I feel like anything that kind of puts eyeballs on these players is a good thing but I think there's going to have to be a balance with this NIL stuff um because I mean I wasn't in the locker room at LSU I don't know what happened um I only know what people I've talked to who are in the know said happened so I'm not gonna say that other than i the the word is that she was suspended um, for whatever locker room scuffle or things that were said. So you have to wonder, like, when does does NIL come into play and does it factor into, does it mess with their heads, you know? You spend the whole spring and summer, God bless her, endorsement deals, like, on the cover of magazines, um, all this attention in a rap video. It is a lot. It is a lot for anyone to imagine, let alone somebody who's coming back um, and playing another year of college basketball um, and, show, you know, having to man juggle that with getting an education as well. Um, it is a lot. And it's not, I'm not just saying this for Angel Reese. I'm saying it for any, 
any player. I mean, I'm sure it's a lot for Caitlin Clark. I'm sure it's a lot for Paige Beckers, like having to deal with injuries, but also like the visibility and all that comes with it. Um, hopefully more support is put in place for these players. And I know that some college college teams already have that, but you know, yeah. I, I hope from a, from a fan and media and whatever outside standpoint, looking in that, that you could, that we could just pull back a little bit and have a little bit more understanding of what that, what goes into all that and reserve yeah. the judgment and everything. Um, because it is, it, it can't be easy. So, you know, the, the the players right now may be sort of setting examples of, okay, what to do, but maybe not what to do and how to manage it better and this and that. And then we'll see sort of maybe more balance set in as this continues on. But, you know, it's all new to all of us. So um, it's just going to be a continuous, you know, situation of figuring it out and as we go. Oh, I'm looking forward to the future 30 by 30 we're going to get on NIL. <laughs> I, I want a 30 for 30. I want the Netflix version because they never give us the whole story. I want the whole because I, I there's so much going on because they're all the first wave. Of yes, this they experience. are. Yeah, they are the first wave. That's and, just what I was trying to say. Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head. Like, we're le- like a lot of them, like these younger players coming in, you're learning for better or worse, like what to do and what not to do and how to handle the spotlight. And that's a lot. Like, basketball as itself or a professional sport is a lot in itself to like one, work on your game. There's the mental part of like, dealing with loss and injury, add the spotlight, add the brand stuff, add juggling, getting your degree, your coach is on your ass for whatever else. Cause that's what yeah. coaches do. That's, and plus like, you know, and then depending on what you got going on, you've got people that want to like leach on you for money and fame. And it's just, that's a lot. I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. It's you could just have a bad game. I mean, imagine yeah. the spotlight just having like a bad game and it could be, that's all that was happening for LSU against Kent State and you know it just sort of everything all the pressure just gets to be too much and it blows up but it's blowing up in the spotlight and that's the other thing a friend of mine and I were talking about is LSU won the national title so this type of crap happens at every college in every locker room but because Mm -hmm. the spotlight is on them because they won the national title last year and they had all these high profile transfers they're under the microscope and so everything is just that much bigger and and that much more zeroed in on and um you know it's 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 hard to manage i'm sure but they seem to have rebounded a a bit so we'll see we'll see what happens going forward yeah i was very interested to see i was like man that's a lot of pressure going to that virginia tech game because everyone wants there's a big group that wants to see you fail and there's a big group that's like please don't fail because like we're putting it all on you so i don't envy them i wouldn't want to be in their shoes by any means but Switching gears, we're going to play a little fun game. Are you ready? Sure. Fun. Okay. I'm going to pick players that are in their either their final year or they have the option to go fifth year. But basically, it's who do you think of the players that I mentioned will declare for the draft? Granted, this is December. This is early. Yeah. Uh, we'll start with Angel Reese. Do you think she declares? No. This. You think she plays one more? I do. LSU or somewhere else? Oh, I think she'll stay at LSU. Um, caveat. If they don't win the title, I definitely think she's coming back. But if they win the title, she's going could, off to the Could summer. be a maybe. Can I say maybe? Or do I have to? Yeah, maybe. Um, Caitlin Clark. So I'll give you mine because I've asked different people. I don't think she declares. I think she goes one more. What do you think? I think she declares. Really? Yeah. I think, well, I've said on the other pod, I said I think she declares if Seattle gets the one. I don't, I don't know if it would come down to a specific team. 
I think she will be at the point where if you look at that roster and yeah. there's just there's not much more that she can do than what she did last year and this year as far as trying to get that title. I mean, it would be great if she could go out on top and, and, and get a title, but even if even if they don't, I think she declares. Because what else yeah. can she accomplish at the college level at this point? No. I mean, I don't I don't. And then see, let's, say, let's say she plays another year, and this has to factor into it where she gets hurt. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good take. Okay, uh, Paige. <laughs> Paige. Paige is an interesting one. Hmm. Yeah, I could see her. Com- I could see her coming back for one more year, because just because yeah. of the injuries and the, how it shortened her college career a bit, and but at the same time, she may be like, "Well, I've already gotten injured twice. Like, I can't. Yeah, I got to go when I go." Um, I because I don't think she's she would be satisfied with the way her college career has gone. I mean, UConn. They could finish in a completely different way, you know. They're they're having a little tough time right now. Right now, so who knows? But right now, at this point, um, I'm gonna say that she stays. She stays. Yeah, I thought that when they lost to Texas this weekend, I was like, she's coming back. Yeah, it's just she's like it's unfinished business for her. And then with AZ being her, I think she still wants to play with her best friend. Yeah, but then you run the risk of I could get hurt again, and that really screws my pro career chances i'm glad i don't have to make she choices. just she just hasn't had a real other than a freshman year she hasn't had a real full college like career and i don't know if you can i mean she or the talent is there so it would be more more of like you said it would be more for like is there enough unfinished business here that i want to come back and give it another go do you think there's enough for teams to be able to be like yeah we feel good in drafting her like she has enough just oh, yeah. knowing her high school game. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. she's one of those pure talents, you know, that, that oh, yeah. even though she has some injury history, you take a risk on. Definitely. Um, Kitley, you brought it up earlier. Well, I have some inside scoop on Kitley. Um, no, she's gone. She's, she's going. going? She, yeah. Well, this is her fifth year. She's she's gone. She's good. Well, do you think she declares or she just calls it a game? Call, be like, I'm good. Do you think she wants to, she wants to go? Oh, yeah, oh, information. She's going. She wants to go pro? She wants, she'll go pro. She'll enter the draft. I got to ask you them about Georgia. Georgia's my girl. Do you think she goes pro? you think she declares? Or is she going off, going back home? Is she eligible? How many years has she played? Or um, what's her that's age? A great she, she's got to be 22. She is 22. I think she Weird, goes. The internet has her year, not her month. She goes? I, I think she goes. I think she goes. Okay, I like that. I'm getting because that she could play I for the Opals too. Um, I mean, she, she can do. Are they the same? Could she do both? Well, it's a college season. It's a Olympic season, isn't it? So if she, I don't know if she's. I don't know. I don't know what her national team status is or what's going on yeah. with that. So I can't speak on that. But um, I think she'll go. I think she'll enter the draft. Brink. You think she's going this year? Oh, that's a great one. Again, I don't know what more she could accomplish at the college level. She's having the best. Her, I looked it up today through nine games. Her player efficiency rating is a six is sixty something, which is mind blowing. Mind blowing. She's having a year. 
Yeah. It's, she's, I think she goes. I think she goes. I think, she, I mean, especially she's got the New Balance deal. I think that was kind of the plan that she could, she goes. Yeah, and um, the thought that these deals don't carry over to the, I mean, New Balance oh is just going to be narrative. like, I'm sorry, I'm dropping you um, now that you're in she's, the WNBA. No, it, it goes. Um, I hate that narrative. It's like, do you think all of a sudden they're like, you know what, now that you're on a national level or even you were on a national level before, like, do you think they're like, you know what, we don't want to make money on you anymore. We're yeah, like, it's like, well, now that you've gone, instead of our local audience, you're going to a national audience where we're not down with that. I mean, it's it's a, it's such a weird a weird way of thinking, but yeah, totally. Um, that'll carry over. I think, yeah. I think from a, from a on court standpoint, she's done aside from winning a, um, wait, did yeah, they win a title when she was there? Yeah. Her freshman year. Her freshman year. Yeah. So there's that in the bag, you know, she, yeah. I think she goes. I would love if somehow she ends up on golden States roster. <laughs> And two seasons, that's just my Bay Area bias coming out because I know how much she loves also being like, you know, with her family and stuff over there. But I I think I thought this before that she would be on the aces just before they won their two. Like I thought this a couple years ago because she would practice. She did like something with them in the off season. Now, I don't think the aces need her respectfully. Like they're they're set and they don't I don't think they have room. Um, but I'd like to see her. I think she goes to L.A. That's like my deeper take I think she'll she be a top five top five pick oh yeah anyone i'm forgetting that you're like they're going pro or they're declaring um the angel reese was a good a good one um i'm thinking i know people are saying they if you know if juju watkins was of age she'd go which i mean she could <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't doubt that um olivia miles is she eligible I think she's a junior. I don't know if she she might be too young. Might be too young. Um, because she th- she came out early. She entered, but I don't know that yeah. they counted that. She played half a season. I don't know if they counted that as her freshman year. Oh, she's um, twenty. She's born in oh, three. She's young. Yeah, gotta see. That's the hiccup too. You gotta be twenty-two. Van Lith, speaking of degrees, because she has hers. Oh, she'll, she she'll go. Think so? Yeah. Think she'll get drafted. Is everyone saying she heard a draft stock by going to LSU because, you know, she's not. I don't think it hurt her draft stock. I don't think her college game and pro. She's one of those players where the college game and program are might be a little different. You know, mm-hmm. guards are different in the in WNBA um, from a physical height standpoint. I know we have some smaller guards, but there's a lot of athleticism in the backcourts in the WNBA. Um, so I think it might be a tougher transition for her. Um but I do think she has the ability to stick. I just don't think she's going in the first round. No. Who would you love to see her? I could see her on the Mercury. She, her at her spicy her spiciness would fit the Mercury for sure. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see Deasia Fair, um, who plays at Syracuse. She's she used to play for the University of Buffalo, so hometown girl for me. Um, but she's kind of been flying under the radar, and uh, I'd love to see her get a shot. Um, I don't know necessarily that she makes a roster, but I'd love to see her get drafted. I think Clark to, if it worked out, Clark to the Phoenix Mercury would be pretty dope. I think that you- that Tarasi, she's got the Tarasi vibe going there. Think so? Oh well, oh. as far as um, 
the belief that as far as being a shooter, as far as being yeah. like, I'm, you know, shoot the lights out, green light. I mean, that's Tarasi. I'm not saying they're the same person because. Yeah, I could see her. Yeah, that'd be interesting. What do you think if the fever gets the first pick? What are they doing? I mean, are they going Caitlin? Oh, let's see. They already have Boston, Melissa Smith. Who they have their front court is pretty set. They need a point guard. They need a point guard. Yeah, I could see them going Caitlin or Paige if Paige yeah. enters. They they that's the one position where they were missing. I feel like consi- on a consistent base, the consistent point guard who could put up points and also facilitate and really, really run the offense because that hurt them a lot in close games. They were just discombobulated and weren't able to execute certain plays and whatnot. They need that vocal leader. Hmm. Well, we'll see. What's your prediction for the draft lottery? Fever sparks Mercury Storm. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a shot in the dark here and say that it's that Indy wins it. Um, I'm gonna go Indy, Storm, Mercury, LA. I mean, that's four very good picks. Based on based on, you know, how many based on how many, you know, do they do the they do the the I think so. Yeah. The lottery odds are based on the other records. Yeah. Yeah. So based on the odds, I feel like that's a good breakdown. That's it. You're gonna probably have to write something, right? Once they get the lottery, like who projected, who's going first four. (laughs) And then I'm gonna be like, I did. Maybe I should tweet that now and see. Yeah. Yeah. It would be interesting to see. I think, I don't know if, because they have to declare for the draft by by the end of the tournament, right? Yeah. Or is it during? I don't, yeah. no, I don't think it's during. I think it's a, it's a certain date after. Because, you know, peop, te- players whose teams don't make the tournament are out early. They'll They'll announce, but you can't really do a mock and everything and although people do do mocks anyway, until you get the full group of people. And that usually happens after. It's going to be interesting. I'm excited because this is the one that it's all the talk of, will it carry over from college to the pros? I think this is the class that's going to be like, it is going to carry over college to the pros. The fan bases will follow. I mean, all the names we mentioned, I I can see all of those fan bases following them to the debut. We'll see. We'll see. I could chat with you about basketball all day, but um, real quick before you go, it's December. Final four predictions as of December 5th. Okay, yeah. Um, so I already tweeted mine out before the season started. and so Has I it had, changed? Yes. I had UConn, LSU, UCLA, and South Carolina. I think I'm going to swap um, UConn for Texas. I'm going to go Texas, LSU, UCLA, and South Carolina. That's a big group. You think LSU still – they figured it out with everyone? Um, I like what I saw out of the starting five – against Virginia Tech. I thought the scoring was distributed very well. I thought they shared the ball very well. I thought I thought um, Anissa Morrow and um, Angel Reese figured out how to work on the court together, which we hadn't seen yet this season. So, you know, I mean, if they, like I said, if they hit the ground, they get hot and they, they figure out the chemistry thing, you know, they could be, could be dangerous. Thank you for listening to Coffee Shop Hoops. Be sure to follow us across social media at This Is State Champs. We'll see you next time.